0: <laughs> Everyone relax, this is Fop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson, and I've managed to wait until after the intro. Mm. I'm very excited about that. Do you think it, I think it works. I like it. I like it. I mean, we took our I time. I feel like we start with momentum now. Yeah. And it's just, but I can, you know what? I can see it on a (laughs) t-shirt. That's the main thing. (laughs) I can just say, everyone relax. This is Doe Fox. Yeah. This is the moment our podcast jumped the shark. Yeah. And we weren't even in the water. (laughs) We're going to spend half an hour just discussing merchandising ideas. Yeah. Here are all our ideas. Give us money. We haven't come up with any of them yet, but we think we have a catchphrase. Yeah.
1: So we'll just force that down your throat for a while until
0: you accept it as a catchphrase as well. That must be the rationale behind the WWE though. Like the catchphrases is like t-shirts. Of course. t shirts. Us. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, Because catchphrases didn't exist in wrestling like in the 80s, did it? It was more like a 90s, Steve Austin, sort of late 90s thing. Yeah, wasn't and it? The Rock and people like that. Yeah. And then you're like, oh my God, he's saying what's on my t-shirt. <laughs> this is so
1: exciting. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to tell you about this show the other, I did the other night because I think that you would uh, enjoy the idea of it. It's called The Set List. And the idea of it is that, um, so comedians, you know, I guess people know this, right? That comedians, some of them will have a set list. Like, I don't do, I, I'm not a set list person myself. My show's like kind a of, band
0: set list. Yeah.
1: Okay. Very much so. Like So it might be six or seven phrases or words that kind of, you know, that's your set for the night. Yeah. I don't work like that. I write a whole show kind of as a whole piece, and it, the bits make sense where they're meant to make sense. But, sure. but, you know, my set list would basically be your show's hilarious, do that one. <laughs> <laughs> or your show's man versus will, do that show. Uh, so, but, like, it's a very common thing. Do you write it out. out in full? When, when I'm actually writing yeah. my show?
0: Yeah, Like, is it, like, like you know, my, my ill-fated uh, yep. stand-up set, which was verbatim what I spoke. Is that how you write, or is it, do you write, like, bullet points, cliff note type things?
1: Uh, no, okay, well, I mean, uh, okay, well, this won't be hilarious for people, but... <laughs> no, I'm interested in Okay, well, this is how I write my show. I, I have a nine-in-three cycle, so I tour for nine months... <laughs> Sorry, that was a cheap joke. (laughs) You've gone in pretty early. I haven't even wound up. That could have been going somewhere. It's not, but it could have been. So I tour it for nine months. Last year we did 176 shows on the tour, so it's it's quite an extensive tour. And then I have three months where I prepare the next tour because I try to do a show every year. And so in that three months, my first six weeks is uh, basically time off. But it's what I call active thinking. So, I will like you know read a lot of books i'll you know read a lot of newspapers, I'll have a lot of drunken conversations with my friends and try to work out what it is that I am thinking about, you know what issues
0: mm-hmm. that are like are prevalent in my life that I might want to reflect in my stand up and are you taking I, notes? Is there any kind of like record keeping during this procedure?
1: uh, you know it'll be it'll be really simple things like so it might be something like um all your friends have kids." Well, like that might be a thing that I've just gone, oh, oh my God, because that's the thing that I did talk about. This that Suddenly, all my friends have kids. Mm. And and then I go, well, how do I feel about that? Right? So that's kind of the first six weeks. And then I sit down and I write for six weeks. So I have six weeks of writing. And basically, in that time, I don't bother writing jokes. I just try to get out every thought I've had about all those things that I think are important. Yeah. Like, whether it's boring, whether it goes off on a tangent, whatever, I just sit down and write. I don't reread it. I don't look for structuring routines or anything like that. I just write and write and write. Vomit. You basically vomit. Yeah. I try to vomit. empty my head, yeah. like of all the thoughts it has, to make sure there's no good ones left in there. Yeah. Right, Get them all out. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I've ordered way too many thoughts from the factory. <laughs> now all
0: of them have to go. You're just shaking your head above the page, trying to get a little stubborn thought yeah. out of your ear hole. It's like an Etch-A-Sketch. Yeah. I just
1: want my mind to be blank so I can fill it with only the stuff that I need. Yeah. Eventually, basically, I guess, is the idea. So last year when I was writing the Man vs. Will show, that ended up being about 50,000 words. Um, your average stand-up show, it's probably somewhere about 8,500 words for a 60-70 okay. like, minute show, right? So there's heaps more there than I need, but maybe none of it's funny. I mean, maybe some of it's me just writing the same things over and over. That happens quite a lot. Yeah, know, right. Because I'm not rereading. Yeah. So sometimes I'll just go, oh, I write on this. Okay, this is coming really easy. And then I have a nagging suspicion that I wrote about that the day before. <laughs> I wonder if there's another medium in which people report that re- repeat the same thoughts over and over again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bring that shit everywhere I go. It's <laughs> my point. Like this is just not a toefop thing. I don't want people to be sitting around going, he only repeats himself on this podcast. No, even when I'm only writing for myself, I repeat myself. <laughs> (laughs) Even when I could just flip back and check, I don't. Even when recounting personal stories, you repeat yourself. So this year, um, that ended up being about 70,000 words uh, eventually. So it was a lot. A lot of ideas and a lot of thoughts. And then I start doing trial shows. So the last process of it is trial shows. Now with those trial shows, what I do is I just book a room and invite a bunch of people off my mailing list and stuff like that. And it's a free show and people know what it is. you know. And I just take a tape recorder and I start talking. And I, I plan nothing. I don't reread any of those notes that I did. Mm. But what I find happens is that when you're on stage, your brain goes to a place that you can't go to, you know, sitting in your pyjamas surrounded by cats, you know, smoking joints in your man hutch, watching Law and Order, you know, like... the performing you comes out. Yeah, but also just that adrenaline and there's suddenly like... You know, you can like write a joke at home and go, ha, that's hilarious, isn't it, cats? And they're all like, yep, that's hilarious. And you're like, Excellent. Maybe I should stop smoking all this weed. Yeah, <laughs> the cats, <laughs> the are, cats are talking me. to me. Yeah. You guys got any jokes? Why am I always the one coming up with the jokes? I'm paying for everything. But they're just like my
0: posse. It's like entourage. Yeah. And I'm the one making all the money and they're just living off me the high life. <laughs> there's a fat one with a baseball cap on backwards, smoking a bong. <laughs> Hanging out by the pool. Actually, if my cats, you know my cats. So
1: yes. th- there's Diego, Ziggy, and Tippy. Yeah. If they had to be. Uh, so say I'm like uh, Vinny Chase yeah. in Entourage, which of my cats would be the various people from?
0: Uh, I would say that... Uh, oh, that's a good question. I'd say that, my, that, that Tip would probably be... Tip would have to be... Oh, would he be Johnny Drama or would he, or, or, or would he be Turtle? Because he kind of looks like Turtle, yeah. but he has the personality of Johnny Drama. I agree. He's yeah. high maintenance. Yeah, he's high Every- maintenance. That, that cat cost me a lot of money. Yeah, I think Ziggy would be E. Because yeah. he's the most independent yeah. and seems to have his own thing going he's on. He's got his own thing going on. And then I guess that would make Tip Turtle. Because Turtle is like the sort of one who, you know, everyone kind of likes. Sorry, Diego. That, Tur- oh, is turtle. Tur- yeah, yeah, yeah. Diego Diego is Turtle. Tip okay. is, is drama and Ziggy is E. Uh, yeah,
1: that is true. Okay. <laughs> right. reckon? Yeah. yeah, that's
0: my posse. That's yeah. my entourage. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> oh like- yeah. It's this crazy cat man walking yep. down the street in his dressing gown with three cats in slow motion. Next year, my show, Catarage, <laughs> at the
1: Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Just me up the front and them in the background, basically. Um, so uh, when you're in front of people, um, basically, you know, your brain goes to a very different spot. So I just improvise. And, and what I find happens is that many of the things I've been writing about in my work come through because obviously that's all you've been thinking about for the next the last six weeks. Yeah. But they might come out on a completely different topic. So it, my thought might have been about um, flat screen TVs, but I start talking about relationships and I realize that the the very issue I was talking about, about our uh, need to constantly upsize our TV and this nagging feeling that if we don't have the next iPad, then we're missing out on something that everyone has. Mm-hmm. I realize that that's like an attitude that might, you know, uh, be relevant to the way we view relationships in our modern day. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is that the shit you're most interested in comes out, but through the sort of form of what you've structured it with. So what I find is that means that my work can be an entire cohesive piece because all the thoughts have come from the same well. You know, yeah. They might dip in and out, but they kind of have a, an overall theme to them. And so I just trial show and trial show, and I record it and I record it, and I keep the bits that I like, and I get rid of the bits that I don't like. And I never go back to those original notes. Like They're sitting there untouched and unread. I might go back to them at some stage and have a look at you Are you, aren't you
0: worried those and are nagging out that there might be some gold in there? Like the greatest joke you've ever written might be amongst those notes. Yeah, okay, but
1: I'm not stopping doing comedy this year.
0: Like, yeah, I know. Oh, so you will go back to the notes uh, maybe yeah. one day. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. I like thought you I were read, saying that you just never look at them again. No, the I read
1: over all, like in that reading period, like I read over all last year's notes. Right. And like, you know, I did have a couple of nagging feelings of going, fuck, I wish I'd read these whilst was doing the tour. And that would <laughs> fit really nicely in there. But, but I don't... Like, I don't I don't worry too much. Like, um, Michelangelo used to say that the sculpture was already in the stone. You just have to know which bits to get rid of, and yeah. it
0: leaves you with what it is. And he was a giant turtle, so... Yeah, like-
1: exactly. I trust him. <laughs> he had fucking mad ninja skills, and was also great at art. So, you know, like, that's a role model for me. Yeah, definitely. I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that's a long-winded version of, uh, you know, a set, a set list. list. So... Uh, so this show, this is the premise of the show, it's called The Sad List and a, a guy came up to, uh, with it, well he was one of the guys who came up with it, it was a guy called Paul Provenza who hosts it. Uh, if people uh, don't know Paul Provenza, he's quite a you know popular American comedian, but he's very much uh, passionate about like pushing comedy and seeing where comedy can go. Wrote a great book um, called The Satiristas, which was about like, sort of the history of political comedy. And uh, also, he's the guy who made the documentary the Aristocrats. That oh, yeah. Probably, people have heard of that, yeah, right? I've seen where everyone d- does the Aristocat joke, and uh, he made that. As Did you say Aristocat? Aristocat—that's my version <laughs> that I'm doing
0: the year after Catarage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing the Aristocat, where I get cats to tell their version. You got your manager oh. just saying, "Well, we—you well, we, know—we love your crew's going, but why is everything cat themed?" Charlie, I have just come up with our million-dollar idea.
1: All right, what is it? We film cats. Like meowing, but we subtitle it with, with a version of the Aristocrats joke and we call them the Aristocats. <laughs> that is a like cause cat downloads on the internet are yeah.
0: massive. I don't know if that's a million dollar idea, but it's a definitely a million download idea. A million download idea. I'll settle for that. Yeah, why don't we just film your cats? We'll just yeah. poke them with sticks off camera so they And then I'll write yeah. bawdy Aristocrat jokes yeah, yeah. and we'll put them on YouTube. Yeah, definitely. The Aristocats. But isn't there a Disney film called The Aristocats? Is it? Yeah. Oh, I might get into some co- copyright issues, yeah. you mean? Know, right? Well, Disney are quite litigious from my understanding of things, especially if you're making cats say things like, oh, someone was sucking my balls or whatever. Because the whole thing about the aristocrats is you've got to make it as dirty as possible. Yeah, so. exactly.
1: Yeah. That's all right. Well we'll, well, we'll spell it with a K, the aristocats. All good. Uh, the aristocats with a K and a Z. Ah, so it's like the, street. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. That, I'm no fancy big city lawyer, but I imagine that'll be fine. Yeah, I think World's so. World's <laughs> Worst.
0: Just change a few letters in it. It'll be fine. What do you want to call your film? Oh, yeah. Avatoe. Yeah, that should be fine. It's about giant dog people on a planet. Just make them red. World's Worst copyright lawyer. <laughs> so, the eye-mind thing, Avatou.
1: Um that would really appeal because, like you know, that'd appeal to all the dog people. Yeah, then you get everyone. Yeah, then you've got everyone. That's
0: what they should do for the sequel to Avatar: yep. go is to a dog dog planet, planet star. <laughs> Pluto. Pluto <laughs> Pluto's on a planet, dude. Yeah. It's true. It's a something. You know, I didn't even realize that um, the sun was a star. I didn't know what it was. I only found out like a couple weeks ago that the sun is not like. <laughs> what is it? Why does it burn me? <laughs> Where does it go when it's night no time? So you knew it was a star? Yes. Then why is it so fucking big? Because it's close. Ah. <laughs> World's worst scientist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so set list. Yeah, the idea of this show is that um, you go on stage, but they have a set list for you. And it's a set list of these key words that you then have to weave a comedy routine out of so like a freestyle battle where they just toss you a word and you're going to work it into your yeah correct and the idea of it is that the audience sees the words as you see them okay so they give you one topic at a time so you walk on stage there's one up on the big screen behind you and you have actually a tiny little screen in front of you because the idea of it is that you shouldn't acknowledge that they can see what the word is that like you know you don't do it as a self-aware thing. Yeah. Like, you don't go... You oh, try this- and make it a seamless... You literally try. Like, you walk down on stage and that is your set list. You yeah. try to commit to it and do it as an act no matter how bizarre the suggestions are. Yeah. And obviously they're bizarre because that's the kind of premise of it. Yeah. It's fucking terrifying. Of course. It felt like... I literally felt like I've never taken crack but it just felt like what it must be like to take crack because I was so fucking nervous beforehand and then like the minute I got up there I felt like I was going to die and then I just felt fucking awesome in a rush in a way that I'd never felt a rush before and then like half an hour later it was gone and I was like I need some more (laughs) you just start walking up to people say throw words at me I'm going to make some jokes so by the time um, people hear this, I will have done it twice because I actually said
0: to them I enjoyed it so much that I wanted to come back and, and do it a couple of nights crack. later. So it may I think have you have an unfair advantage it. though because uh, you work really hard. <laughs> That's an unfair advantage. You work really hard. You write lots of jokes every day. I imagine that there's a lot of words that you would already have pre-packaged jokes for.
1: Okay, here's another thing. Part of the rule of the gig and like these rules are only enforced by the comedians. Yeah. But part of the rule of the gig is no material. Okay. So you literally, like, I'll explain to you when we get to, like, each of them, but there was one of them that really stumped me, not because, like, it's a hard offer. It is a hard offer, but they're all hard offers, you know. Mm. Um, It stumped me because I have pre-existing material kind of on this subject. And it's hard not to go to that. Yeah. My brain was like, fuck you. You've made us make up shit for all these other weird suggestions. We already have a bit about this. We've done heaps of work in this area. Here's one we prepared earlier. Use that.
0: (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not allowed to use that. Like That's against the rules of the game. They're like, fuck you. Meanwhile, the crowd, everyone's like... This guy talking to himself. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's been mumbling to himself for like the last two minutes on stage. Actually, awkward. that would
1: have been probably a pretty good way to deal with it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because I think the audience
1: would have enjoyed that, you
0: know.
1: <laughs> so uh, I can't remember all the topics they put up on the screen yeah. uh, while I was there because it's all been, become a bit of a blur. Mm. But I remember some of them. Okay. So I thought I'd run you through them and we can you know, uh, talk it through if you like. Cause, okay. Uh, okay. So I've walked up on stage. I've grabbed the microphone. And the first words I see, my first item oh, on sorry. my. Sorry. And
0: that you have to make a joke about this thing. Yeah,
1: or okay. turn it into a routine okay. or like. Now, you can take some license with it. You don't have to like say those words particularly. You could, you know, you could do a short joke, you could do a long joke. They tend to mostly be long jokes because you have to try to get to something funny out of it. Yeah. But there's, there was a point in this where I did a short joke and, and, I'll, and I'll explain to you what that was. So the first words that are on the screen when I get up on uh, stage are. I've got to open with this. Yeah. Temporary Downs Syndrome. <laughs> that's... Wow. <laughs> uh, that's a barrel of laughs. Fucking it hell. It? Temporary Downs Syndrome. Wow. Yeah. Um,
0: so like, what, did, what did you that's say? That's hard work, right? <laughs> what did
1: you say? Well, I ended up like kind of riffing this idea that I had temporary, temporary Downs, Downs syndrome, syndrome. And like people were a bit like rough with it at the start but you know but i started going hey hey i'm a positive example look how famous and off the telly i am and i suffer from this it's fine i'm like a role model i'm like the best of our people and i'm making people proud and started kind of like going into that area and kind of people got on
0: board so it was temporary down syndrome my mum had uh bell's palsy you know what that is yeah it's where your face kind Uh, of it's like a temporary stroke yeah like she was uh looking in the mirror one day and she just noticed that half of her face started to like droop yeah <clears throat> she th- obviously she thought she was having a stroke yeah but it's the weirdest thing because like it's literally like half your face just stops working and then I think the statistics on it are something like um, if you start showing improvement in the first two weeks and there's like a 90% chance that you're going to re- recover fully yeah. but the longer it takes if you're not showing any improvement then it can be permanent yeah. luckily for mum it didn't happen like that but- it's what Harvey Dent had in Dark uh, yeah. Knight, I <laughs> believe <Yeah. laughs> Well, Sam Newman yeah, uh who's a who's a what? Yeah. Well he said he had it. Oh did, did, Well here's the thing, because right. because what happens is your half your face becomes paralyzed. Yeah. Sam Newman, who's a a panelist on a on a sports show uh in Melbourne called The Footy Show. Yep. Yeah. And kind of notorious as being like a real misogynist kind of prick. Womanizer. Womanizer. And like a real
1: stiller, like drives a fancy... He's an older guy now, but He's like a, a 70s fancy, cowboy. Yeah, you drives I mean? a fancy sports car yeah. and has
0: a, like, you know... Likes blondes. Likes yeah. blondes, 25, and he's probably in his 60s now. Yeah. But he um, had a really bad facelift at one stage where his skin was all, like, tight and his face couldn't move. And he was saying, oh, I've had it's Bell's palsy yeah it's Bell's palsy yeah right (laughs) which is not too far off doing something really stupid and saying like oh yeah temporary Down Syndrome yeah that's what it was that's what it was mate yeah temporary Down you never heard of that hey do not make fun of my condition yeah temporary Down Syndrome Uh, excuse me can I take that park near the
1: shops (laughs) I have temporary Down Syndrome temporary Down Syndrome so so, uh, basically what I'm saying is that next year I'll be wearing a ribbon for temporary Down Syndrome and if (laughs) people want to get behind it um, I'd really I'd really appreciate that the second uh, topic that has come up after I've gone, well I've weaved my way through, thank God, temporary Down syndrome, I'll be fine now,
0: is rape citation. Okay? <laughs> well, at least it's not out of your wheelhouse. We have had lots of discussions involving at least half of it. I know, but I was like, what does this, what's a citation? Isn't a citation? um, It's uh, when something gets publicly identified a citation. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, so rape citation. So, uh, are you receiving an award for being a rapist? Uh, Maybe in some cultures, like it's actually something that's not frowned upon. I because I, I was like so freaked out by the fact
1: that I had to go to rape second <laughs> that I took it to the animal. From mental to,
0: disabilities to rape, yeah, they're, wanting, they're fucking with you. They were too. The next area gets up. It's like Kim Kardashian, yeah. The economy, yeah, cats life, and dogs. Yeah. Are they different? Airplane <laughs> <laughs> food. food. Yeah. How do you feel about it? <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is a setup. Am I un-punked? <laughs> yeah. Uh So the next one. And by the way, you know, you mentioned having a stroke. While you're on stage, if, like, if you really wanted to freak people out of the set list show, take your toaster and burn some toast in the front row. Because you know how you're meant to, like, if oh, yeah, yeah. we have toast. a stroke, you smell toast? Yeah. Let's like, go, hot dogs! That, <laughs> that literally, if I was on stage last night and had smelt toast, I would have been convinced I was about to have a stroke. Yeah, <laughs> and my final words would pressure.
0: have been, rape citation! <laughs> <laughs> it's his rosebud. So you had, like the, you had the temple pressure? Like that's that kind of abject yeah. fear, temple pressure? Yeah. yeah. Well, if you concentrated hard enough, you could probably blow a blood vessel, yeah? Definitely. Yeah.
1: So um, I went to the animal kingdom, because I just think as a comedy topic, rape in the animal kingdom is a bit more friendly than, yeah. than you know, real yeah. life rape. Which oh, is so not- you didn't go to like uh, the Catholic Church or primary schools? No. But maybe that's not really right for comedy? I didn't. Well, you know, the thing is, I probably could have taken a more satirical route, but I literally was just in such blind panic that I was like, anything, anything, just, I'm drowning, please. So I went to the animal kingdom and I explored an idea about, you know, because everyone talks about the birds and the bees, but how that's normally probably going to be a rape situation because if a bird and a bee hook up.
0: Like, it's not consensual.
1: Like the bird is heaps bigger than the bird. Yeah. Like, you know, so I riffed a whole bit about, you know, that off, off that idea. There may have been a buzz pun.
0: Did Citation come into it at all? Well,
1: then. You just ignored that. <laughs> no, then, because I thought I'd done this really funny, like, you know, riff yeah. and idea, which had gone for a couple of minutes, and the thing hadn't moved on, and it doesn't move on if they don't feel uh, like you've right. not covered. And I realized I hadn't. Um, Included citation. Yeah. So, <laughs> this, is, this is what I went with. There was a young fella in the front row at quite a dirty show at, at like 11 How young? o'clock at night 12, 13, oh, 14. Fuck, real young. Yeah. So, I did this, like, thing where I just turned and was like, um, mate. I just want to take a moment to be serious here. Um, If you ever see anyone get raped,
0: take some notes. (laughs) I don't even get what that means.
1: Well, because I imagine a citation was somebody, like, you know, being able to, like, cite what had happened. So I was like, take some notes. (laughs) Remember
0: some details. He was like 12. 12. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> well... It was 12, Charlie. You told a 12-year-old to take notes at a rape, not yeah. to call the police, raise your arm, try and intervene.
1: I mean, in, take re- notes. in retrospect, they are better options, but they would have not meant that this
0: topic was finished and I could move on. Yeah. And that was what was important to me. Yeah, you're going to corrupt the <laughs> upbringing of a child in order so you can move on to another joke. I thought, okay, well, it
1: can't get worse. I mean, it actually literally <laughs> can't get worse than temporary Down syndrome and rape. So you've gone mental disability for the first one. Yeah. And then rape. And these are not areas that, like, despite what we joke about on this podcast, not areas that I really cover off, you know, in stand-up
0: um, too, too often. Uh, so the third one. So it's only when you're paired with me that rape and <laughs> mental illness tends to come up. Yeah, I don't know why that is. Hmm, surprising. Uh, the third one is...
1: because Is there any topic, Charlie, that do you think could be more
0: controversial on stage... Then mental illness or rape? Well, I used to joke with Scott Dooley when we used to work at Triple J together that he was saying that there's no comedian could go out and do five minutes on rape. Like, yep. that would be the, the toughest challenge in the world. I think worse than that would be... I mean, would it be something like the Holocaust? Or is it, an, is, is it like something that's borderline identifying a minority? Yeah, you, you, Ab- abortions? You're in a good area. Stillborns. Stillborn children. Stillborn children orgy, stillborn children orgy rape. Okay, (laughs) now we're just going through your Google search list. Uh, Jehovah's pedophile. Ah, so religion and pedophilia. Yeah, pedophilia seems to be quite. I think there's this thing about pedophilia. Like, of course, you know, no one wants to joke about it, but because it's so outrageous and emotive, you do hear it come up a lot in stand-up. Like yeah. it is a great way to get a reaction from an audience is to mention like you know, uh, you you know your uncle fiddling with you or something like that. Oh yeah, no, I'm. But you're I, not going to do five minutes on it. It's more like a sting. Yeah, yeah. But but like you know what, I have a like a paedophile joke
1: essentially in my show. Like it's, I mean, it's alluded to rather than. But like I do this thing about guess who and how the board game guess who look more like a sex offenders registry, and then I go through a series of questions that essentially are identifying paedophile questions. So yeah. But, but that's, that's not me like going, ah, pedophile. But it,
0: it's in that area. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So
1: I guess. Uh, Jehovah's
0: Witness pedophile.
1: Yeah. No, it just says Jehovah's Pedophile. That was Jehovah's Pedophile.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: But this was my joke. And this is the one time I was actually able to come up with a joke on the spot rather than try to blag my way through a routine. <laughs> I said, Look, <laughs> If you ever see a Jehovah's pedophile, let's hope there's a Jehovah's Witness.
0: Ah, there you go. There you go. That's a good one. Yeah, well done.
1: And I was like, and literally the thing flipped over to the next one. I went, job done. All
0: right. I'm getting the hang of this. Is Prince a Jehovah's Witness? I I believe so, yes. Yeah, right. Just wondering if you could do some joke about him being the size of a child. He wears child's clothes. Prince being the son of a king. Pedophile? No, there's nothing there. (laughs) (laughs) and the canary and the canary in this comedy mine is dead world's worst mentalist
1: (laughs) All right. shoddily run leper camp was the next one which actually came as sweet relief
0: yeah that's a more of a traditional kind of that's a comedic offer I
1: was able to do great things about you know It being socially run, that on the first day they got everyone to wave their hands in the air, and you know dot dot dot, and you know there was there was definitely a hand job joke about a dick coming off in someone's hand. There was it was it was
0: comedic territory, so that was good. It's okay to make fun of lepers, isn't it? I think so. I think because it's considered like a biblical disease, and it's yeah, and it's considered a comical biblical disease. Tragedy plus time equals comedy. Yeah. But yeah. there are still lepers. I've seen yeah. lepers in India. Yeah. So I think that... Oh, we... no, I saw leopards in India. I didn't see any lepers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw lepers. I didn't see lepers. Yeah, tapas in Spain. Something. <laughs> I had a pack of Cheetos, there was a leopard on them. And it sounds like lepers, so yeah. <laughs> World's worst lonely
1: planet tour guide. <laughs> so I had some fun with that. That seemed like sweet relief. I thought, well, okay, there's probably one, one to go. Uh, the last one was Islamic Amusement Park. Oh Oh.
0: shit! (laughs) Oh shit! Did half the audience clear out? They must have. Oh man, it
1: was—it was an interesting. Like I don't know whose set list that would actually be. Yeah. Like if anyone came backstage and had a set list that was temporary down syndrome, (laughs) rape citation, Jehovah's pedophile, shoddy run leper camp, and Islamic amusement park, (laughs) then you'd be like, you know what? Can I go on before you?
0: Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to follow that. Yeah, someone is, so, do you, I mean, in your, do you have any real fear of making fun of, like, Islam or Muhammad or, do you have, like, I mean, genuine concerns? Oh, in the, oh, look,
1: I, like, in a situation like this, none at all. Because the whole idea of this room is that, I mean, clearly the offers are so outrageous that, you know, you're going to have to go into some weird dark areas if you're just improvising. People are in for that. Yeah. But I wouldn't just go willy-nilly and do it. But I'm the same with – like, you know, I was – I mean, I was, I've spoken about this a little bit before. But I think I was guilty of being one of those people who was overly political about my beliefs early on. Like, well, more the fact that I didn't believe in God. Yeah. And I was a little bit strident about, you know. But I've I'm, – I'm not really like that anymore. Like, I'm very much sort of, you know, each to their own mm. and, you know, as long as – you know your beliefs don't get in the way of anybody else's rights, then yeah. you know, I, I, I'm happy for people to believe what they believe. So, um, I think religion in general, I'm not, I'm not just going to spray you know offensive jokes at people, but mm. I've done it and I do
0: it in my show and stuff. But I like I would think about it just but on, on specifically because, uh, you know, the way because I'll blow you up, is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, specifically because no, none at all, especially comedians, people who you would think or cartoonists or satirists. Who you think would be safe from, you know, retaliation. They seem to not have a sense of humour about their depictions of their Prophet Muhammad.
1: Yeah, but you know, I look I mean I'm I'm not like, you know, doing shows where like if one of the officers had been like on my set list had been and f- fine uh finalize the show by getting your dick out and drawing a picture of the Prophet Muhammad, <laughs> then I probably would have gone, you know what? Not worth it. Not worth it. <laughs> I won't do that.
0: But um I don't think that I. Well, just say, uh, just say you did a special, right? Yeah. And uh, just say you had a bit about Islam as part of a wider ranging, you know, ex- exploration of religion, right?
1: Yeah. And look, I've done jokes about, like, for example, convicted terrorists and stuff that would have been, like, you know, along those lines. Yeah. So, yeah. so
0: just say, just say you did uh, some bit where, you, along the lines of, um, look, you don't understand the difference between Muhammad, Jesus, Buddha. They're all kind of, you know, just uh, invented religious icons. Okay. Yeah. Significance, right? And then uh, you're gonna. This is going to be on a one-hour Comedy Central special. And then the producers get in touch with you and say, "Hey, look, uh, a few groups have caught wind of the, what's going to happen in your special, and on you know Al Jazeera, um, you know, they've, they've, someone's posted a, like a threat on on your life, uh-huh. or you know, you know the the people involved in your show. Do you pull the bit? No, I'm just like, how do we get last, this? at last,
1: I am the edgy legend I thought I was going to be. <laughs> I mean, Jim Jefferies got punched in the face on stage and became a like, massive superstar off the back of it. Oh, man, yeah, like a couple of death threats. I'd be, I'd be rapt. Have you ever had
0: death Particularly, threats uh, I've had random ones written to me. Like handwritten? Handwritten, Wow. Yeah. See, that's creepy. Like handwritten makes me think it's like some guy like in Seven who's just like, got a, an apartment full of diaries you know, and just scrolling away manically. Well, there
1: was a guy in uh, Perth who wrote a letter to Triple J, I think about three times a week, while I was on air. Um, and he was hearing messages through the radio and stuff like that. But he would write these six-page handwritten notes about like how he was going to kill me and what he was going to do when he killed me and all those sort of things. Did you read them? Uh, I mean, you know, for the first like couple of weeks I read them and then I just, like, you literally, when you saw the envelope, you would recognise the handwriting and know what it is. So they contacted the police. And yeah. the police were, like, <laughs> at the time, reassuring. But in retrospect, blasé. <laughs> Because they were just like, ah, no, he's fine. He lives in Perth. You know, like, you know, most of these people who write to you for these sort of things never act upon it. Like, the fact that he writes
0: all the time, actually... Is a good sign. Is a good sign, blah, blah, blah. They said, keep them all on file in case anything happens, then we'll have the evidence. As soon as he stops writing, that's when you get concerned. Because it's like, oh, shit, he's on his way.
1: (laughs) But when they said, you know, keep them all on file in case something happens, we'll have evidence. I'm like... That still involves me having had something bad happen to me. Right? I'm glad that it'll be easy for you to solve the case, but how about preventing the bad thing happening that you have the evidence for? That's what I'm more in of. It'd be great favor. if
0: you're at your house one night and uh, late night you get a call from the police and they say, Will, look, we've been examining the, um, the letters again and we think that the letters haven't been coming from Perth, they've been coming from within the house. <laughs> And then someone comes out and tries to stab me in the heart,
1: but ironically, I have one of his six-page letters in my pocket, and it prevents the knife
0: from going through, and
1: everything's okay.
0: You're, like, you're saying to the place, it's a mystery. Who's writing these letters in the place Like, well, it's signed huh. CX Clawson. Yeah, and it
1: has no stamp.
0: It's clearly just been put in your mailbox every time you do TOEFOP. What? So what would he say in these letters? Uh, I mean, it was really, like, he was hearing things that I wasn't saying. Yeah, but, so, like, but what was he going to do to you? Was he going to, like, kill you slowly or quickly?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, there was quite a, I think, a range of things. Like, you know, and like, it was always, like... Was it sexual at all? No. He just hated Disappointingly. It. <laughs> <laughs> I want my threats to be
0: perverted, damn it. I mean, like, if you're going to cut off all my skin, at least fuck my skin afterwards <laughs> or something. Don't just, like, cut it off. So what was it? Can you remember anything? Was he going to, like, cut your head off
1: or...? Uh, you know the funny thing is that right now in my head i was like going "Ah, uh, because i can't remember specifically and i was going to speculate but then for a minute i was like oh is that fair to him if i speculate? <laughs> i mean come on professional courtesy i literally was i was like oh i don't want to paraphrase him <laughs> like he had some really specific ideas and i don't want to um but i look i literally can't remember um but where are the letters now I mean, I don't know if they keep them. I don't know if they're going to, oh, they go into like So the, they will
0: go to the police?
1: No, they're going to...
0: They're just, they were just in a drawer at the ABC somewhere. Oh, right. Like, it was... <laughs> they're probably framed and on the wall now. Every new breakfast team that start, they're like, you better do yeah. a good job. Yeah. Otherwise... 700 death threats. <laughs> yeah. That's what you guys got to hate for.
1: <laughs> you know, this station's never got as many
0: uh, death threats in Adam and Will left. <laughs> <laughs> so is Adam, like, was he spared this guy's wrath? It was just yeah, you yeah. Would- no, he just hated me, yeah. Which, you know, wasn't uncommon. Well, and what, but, were you an agent of the, the devil or something?
1: I don't think there was much religious sort of thing. I think he thought I was like... It, it was kind of that sort of... I imagine he was like, you know, paranoid schizophrenic or something. And yeah. he kept he hearing me so. say racist things or sexist things. And like he had to like... He's going to kill you because... The, yeah, but he was like some sort of warrior for wow. all these causes that he thought I was sending secret messages against sort of thing. Wow. So I think in his way... His anger or his whatever was quite righteous. That's yeah. what I do remember. Yeah, yeah, I think which is also probably why it was so regular that he thought he was. Like, he's like one of those guys who stands in the mall and you know just talks to you about Jesus. Yeah, because those people can't have that much of a success rate, right? But they clearly feel so motivated to do something. That they, you know, they believe that what they're doing is so righteous and so, you know, mm. what they should be doing. That they go every day with their sign and their loudspeaker and just like read Bible passages in the hope that like, you know. That well, may- if
0: you believe there's an impending apocalypse or, yeah. you know, rapture is upon us, then what you're out there uh, doing is trying to save people's lives. So, yeah, you would be like, I mean, if you had genuine evidence that, you know, there was an asteroid headed to the earth and in two days everyone was going to be dead. But if you let enough people know you could get them out of the area, wouldn't you be out in the streets like fucking yelling? No. you would be on the them. couch eating Pringles. <laughs> like, why am I going to waste my time? What is my yelling going to do if an asteroid's
1: going to hit Earth? This is fucking bullshit. I'm going to take all my money out of the bank and buy as much shit food as I can and <laughs> Stay on the couch. and just fucking have a crack at beating the asteroid. I'm going to get out of here before the asteroid does. <laughs>
0: First man to OD on Pringles. Yeah, the
1: first guy that like what well, caused a death. Once he popped, he genuinely did not stop. <laughs> <laughs> Once he popped, he did stop. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Did I hear a rumor that the the creator of Pringles, Mr. Pringle, I suppose the guy with the mustache from the can. That may not be true. That may be just a trademark j-fop, of the comic. But um,
0: always... I was Mr. Pringle for a while when I was sixteen because I found a, a, a driver's license that was like um. It was for a guy called Michael Pringle who was about... He would have been 21. So I was 16 when I found the license I was 21. But that was my fake ID. I used that as to go to pubs and stuff and be like Michael Pringle. And then um, I got even better fake ID that was actually my photo. This guy, like in the photo too, he had like curly hair and upturned nose. He looked a bit like... Um, uh, player manager Paul Connors <laughs> from Flying Star. Very obscure reference, but if you have seen it. <laughs> what so what you did like you that? say to the bouncers? Oh, sorry, I've had Bell's policy? No, I just, uh, as long as you learn all the deets, yep. you know, date of birth, star sign, all that kind of stuff, you're you're pretty sweet. And I think, I don't know, maybe it's different now, but back when I was trying to get in place underage, the bouncers didn't a really fuck. They just wanted you to have something on you that if they got raided by the cops, yep. they could say, "Well, yeah, oh, I, I thought I he was Mr. Pringle. He knew he was an Aquarius. So Michael Bringle was like my, my pseudonym and then I got even better fake ID so I passed it on to another mate and then he used it for a bit and passed it on to another mate and there's about 10 of us in the end all used this guy's fake ID and all of us looked completely different from one yeah. another and it all worked. So then um, as a thank you we bought like a whole, like about five or six slabs and we all put balaclavas clappers on and we took photos of us with the slabs and then sent it to his address because obviously he had his license and said, thank you for losing your license. You've enabled us to buy all this alcohol. Oh my God. I would love if that happened to me. Like yeah. if beer rocked
1: up to my house one day, and a thank you
0: note. No, you no, we didn't beer. send him beer. Oh, fuck you. No, we took photos of us with the beer that his fake ID had enabled us and to it, buy. And then
1: what did you send? Just a photo? Just a photo, Oh, yeah.
0: fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that's I kind of that was an awesome say. story, and that's a shit story. How You're you him beer. I thought you were thanking him. I, I you you was sending, sending him. It was a thank you. To, and I'm saying, look what we've been able to... It's like, you know, if you give money to World Vision and they send you a photo of the well saying, thank you, your money's contributed to this, that's what I was sending him. He supported 10, 16-year-old... Boys in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Here's what I'm saying, Charlie. Those World Vision photos really involve (laughs) Balaclava. Do you think we're living in an era now? And I'm only saying this because I'm living with a mate right now who seems to embody this. But we don't have to grow up anymore. Oh, yeah. That's true. We don't. No. Like our our dads were dads, right? Like, you know, they got jobs, they worked, they're grown-ups. Nowadays, like, if you don't... If you don't want to, you don't have to grow up. You can stay into the same things you're into when you're 20 years old. Totally. And it's but, acceptable. Well, yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's particularly healthy for society. Mm. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I'm noticing more of it. I mean, and I'm saying it as a guy who is almost 35 and is pretty much a man-child as well. Like, you know, I, am a, I benefit from this new societal attitude.
1: Like, I'm 38 years old. I've barely ever had a real job.
0: Like in all those years, yeah, but there were entertainers, there were comedians. You have followed a path similar to other. That's true. And personally, like I don't think it's not like I go into your house and you've got like a stack of pizza boxes and you're playing video games. And but there are certain guys, certain friends of mine, where I'm like, oh my god, like you have hit a groove, and it's like I, you know nothing's ever going to get better than when I was 23. Yeah. So I'm staying 23 forever, and it's not just guys, girls as well. But, but it, there's definitely a like sort of.
1: Um, extended adolescence, you mm-hmm. know, that, that men... It's like you, you live all those things you didn't get as a child. You're just like, fuck you, I've got my own money now. Yeah. I'm going to buy myself one of those arcade tables.
0: I'm going to eat mint slices for dinner every mm-hmm. night this week.
1: I'm, I'm not going to dress like a normal adult. No. Ever. No. I'm going to wear jeans and shirts that don't suit me well past the
0: point <laughs> where I should stop wearing those jeans and shirts that don't suit See, me. this part of me wants to dress more adult. Yeah. Because like, I am very much a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy. But... I just don't know. I don't have anything to wear it to. I don't go to an office. I I know. It's a bit weird to get... Although, you know, they... they, But Spike Jones wears like a suit and Sam Raimi, they wear suits to go on set, you know? Yeah. And when you're on set, that's not a great place to wear a suit. Like, it's the most impractical clothing you could wear. But they do it and it looks cool. Eddie Maguire wears a suit to Breakfast Radio. Yeah. (laughs) There's a quote from Eddie Maguire. It was like one of those 20 questions with and it was like his pet peeve. It's people who don't dress their age. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, well, Eddie, come on! You've, you've been, been wearing up. suits. Yeah. you've been wearing suits. Since you, you were born years in a suit. Yeah, totally. but you
1: literally were the only person who had a birthday suit. It,
0: <laughs> and It was a our Manny,
1: but birthday <laughs> suit. And you came out and you grabbed a microphone and did a womb report because you were an ambitious young man.
0: But it's an old-fashioned concept that you dress your age because now, I mean, like David Bowie does not look. Like David Bowie still dressing—it's not like he suddenly traded in all his flashy suits for cardigans and shit. Like he still dresses like a young man. We also don't live in the Wall Street
1: era anymore. We're like, you know, the big titans of industry are like guys in suits, yeah, you know, blah blah pads blah. And these, these days, our titans, our geniuses, are in black turtlenecks and polo shirts. Polo shirts, and they're like, you know, the people nerds, and they're inventing video games, yeah, and computer software and stuff like that. So I think that, of course, that's been reflected, but. But, you yeah, know, it's that whole, you know, 70s the new 60s, 60s the new 50 50s the new 40 sort of thing. Yeah. And I think that's because people are just staying younger longer. Like they're holding on to being. But then it has like ongoing effects about like, you know, childbirth rates and people having children later in life. Like that'll be something that's really different, mm. like for our generation older parents. Older parents. Because there's a lot of it going on. And then you wonder, well, how does that affect the next generation? Like because they may not get to kick the footy with their dad in the backyard, or they may not well, get to old, see. I had old parents. Yeah.
0: Like my dad was 50. Well, that's because your parents couldn't stop fucking and having babies. <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, it wasn't though. They weren't. In, they weren't you know, indulging some like adolescent yeah. lifestyle. But, but they they weren't. Um, yeah, the first lot. The first lot of their babies weren't that young. No. No. Jimmy, no. Like you know they, they, they were young. Well, I think my dad was. My dad was pretty much a bachelor. Like he was. He was in his he was probably my age when he got married to my mum and then they had a kid not long after that. Oh, okay. So he was yeah, he was a committed bachelor. Okay. So I was he was fifty when I was born and mum was 42, forty-two, forty-three. Yeah. Um but I did notice like when I was at primary school, <laughs> I used to get so embarrassed when we'd have like parent-teacher days. So my parents would arrive and most of my friends' parents were still, you know, in their thirties. Yeah. Maybe forties at a pinch. But my parents, people would be like, why are your parents so old? Are they your grandparents? Do you live with your <laughs> grandparents? Yeah, Did totally. your parents die
1: and now your grandparents have pretended that you're your real parents? Are you Peter
0: Parker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Yes, I am. But it is a thing. And But you're right. Like, my dad wasn't uh, able to kick the footy with me. You know, we tried, but he yeah. was an old man. It's yeah. was a middle-aged man, essentially. He wasn't able to do that kind of stuff. And not only that, but there was even a bigger gap between pop culture references, you know? The kind of... Like, if you... I think once you get 50 years between you and your kid, you're going to have huge fucking cultural issues, You know, trying to understand why they're watching that TV show or listening to that music. Or even the,
1: not even that, but even the technology would have Mm. changed so much in that time that the way you consume entertainment would have been Mm. completely foreign to him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember trying to talk him, well, not me, but me and my sisters, talking my dad into buying a CD player for Mm. the first time. And having to explain to him why it was digital, what digital uh, music was and why it was better than vinyl and explaining that it was like lasers and stuff. And it just, <laughs> I remember him like just sort of not being able to grasp, but where is the sound coming from? Because yeah. in his mind, technology had always had a physical requirement. Yeah. A needle goes into vinyl, creates a vibration, that gets amplified, there's your music. Now we're saying, like, a laser is going to be reading a disc and that's going to be creating music? It's the, it's the thing that, uh, I mean, yeah, again, we've talked about this before, but it's so, like,
1: it's the thing about, like, you know, Skype and mobile phones and all those things that I was, I'm a bit like your dad <laughs> in that, like, when the phone was plugged into the wall, I could imagine that I just was talking into a cord that was connected to the other person <laughs> I was talking to, you know, in some way, yeah. right? But the minute there's no cords, I'm like, how the fuck does it know where to go? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when you're on Skype with someone from another country, they can see your face. Like, on their computer, you can see someone on the other side of the world. How? how?
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Isn't
1: there heaps of people doing it at the same time? Shouldn't they bump into each other and get confused? I do not understand <laughs> when,
0: it. When we got our first VCR player, I would have been... I would have been... Terrible. World's worst computer programmer. ever. <laughs> <laughs> World's worst Bill Gates. <laughs> When we got our first VCR, um, I would have been we, we were like the last people in the neighbourhood to get one. We used to borrow, like our friends would go away on holidays and we got to borrow their VCR so yeah, like we'd right. have two weeks of where yeah. we could watch like fucking Police Academy and stuff. Like we made the most of it. Yeah. But I uh, remember we got You've our- made eight of these. They must be brilliant. <laughs> we got this VCR, our own one, and um, we were showing dad that you could watch a show and record another one on oh, a yeah. different channel. And he was like, this is witchcraft. <laughs> and I'm not joking. That's the words he actually used. This is witchcraft. How could I be recording a program that I'm not seeing on my screen? But you can understand it now. Yeah. Like if we give it like a modern equivalent, like it's, it's, it's ama- I think it's amazing that I want to record a show on my TV at home so, like, there's no one at my home right now. The TV's all turned off. I go on my mobile phone. I punch in what I want to record I press record. I come home two days later and it's fucking recorded. I know. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. Although, that technology is actually just a bloke from Foxtel breaking into your house. <laughs> <laughs> They've sold it as an amazing bit of technology as an app.
0: But I believe that just Foxtel blokes are constantly on the streets waiting for calls. I'm saying to Gemma, like, did that program record? She's like, I don't know, but someone's been to my underwear drawer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so
1: I did something today that I never would have imagined that I did would have done if I was a 15-year-old kid. And I had this thought today, as this was happening, that if the 15-year-old me met the 38-year-old me, I think the 15-year-old me would literally punch me in the face because of the day that I had today. Uh, what did I do today, Charlie? This, this would be a nice little test of that I would have never imagined that I would have ever got to do as a 15-year-old kid and would have excited me pretty much... I got to do something today that, as a 15-year-old kid, would have excited me more than anything else in the world, I reckon. Had sex with something other than your
0: fist. Okay. I got (laughs) to do something today that would have excited me second on my list. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is it to do with meeting someone? Yeah. Is it a footballer? Yes. Is it a Western Bulldogs footballer? Yes. Is it someone who's still playing or, no. or from when you were a 15-year-old? From when I was Is 15 Brad years Hardy? old.
1: Okay, so I know Brad Hardy. Yeah. He comes and sees my show now. We, um, he they was-
0: said you'd never make it, <laughs> but you finally came through. I can't find that. I found the Daryl Summers one. Yeah. I found the Keith, Keith uh, the guy did Hamilton Island, Keith Williams. I don't Whatever. Yeah, and uh, And there's an Alan Bond one. But if someone has the Brad Hardy Swan Lager ad, can you please upload it to YouTube or send me a link? Because I'm dying to see it. Yeah, so Brad Hardy uh, and
1: I became friendly a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, because, he and so for anyone who doesn't know, he was my absolute childhood hero. He won the Brownlow Medal in 1985. Ate a lot of pies. Ate a lot of pies. Yeah. He was a red blood nut. A red blood nut. He was a pale blood nut and he was a little bit tubby. Yeah. And famously took his jumper off once and waved at Mick Malthouse. For being dragged. Yeah, on the sidelines. So... uh he was my absolute favourite footballer of all time. And a couple of years ago, I was d- doing some article and I I mentioned that. And it turns out that his wife was a fan of mine. And so late they got in contact. And uh, it was such a weird moment too, because my management literally called me and said, um, "Do you know someone called Brad Hardy? <laughs> and I'm like, you mean 1985 Brownlow medalist Brad Hardy? My favourite footballer of all
0: time? And I'm like, yeah, what kind of... What kind of football... I only knew him as the Brisbane Bear because I, I was not taking paying attention to the Bulldogs in 1985.
1: Like, so like his glory years when he kicked nine on Craig Johnson in, in the corner against Carlton? Mm, so this that. is when he was playing for the Robert Brisbane. Walls got...
0: Uh, all I remember... That, all, uh, what, my memories of him was he had a mullet. Like, he used to wear sleeves, like yep, long Long That's right. And he had massive thighs, yep. like ginormous yep. tree trunk thighs. And he was kind of like a forward pocket come full forward. Like he wasn't... A huge overhead mark. But yeah, like but when kind he bustling... when he when he won the brown low, he was playing in the back pocket. He was like in one... back pocket who won a brown
1: low? Yeah. Is he the first ever and the only? Well he played that sort of modern role where like, you know, kind of a floating man a floating in defense almost. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, So he'd play on someone but he would like be famous for running up the ground and like belting it through the middle. A little bit like what David Wojinski plays
0: off the half back flank. But first. he wasn't quick, was he? Oh, uh, he was. What was the still Swan Lager Well, the Swan Lager ad was all about how he was too slow and something yeah. tubby and stuff. But he like. was
1: brilliant. Like he was, you know, he was amazing football. Footy smarts. Footy smarts. Exactly. So, uh, so he got in touch, and now he, he and his wife and their friends come to my show every year, and we always have a little catch up. So, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's awesome. So he's come to the show the other night, and he said, "Hey, uh, what are you doing on Friday morning?" So, I said, "I don't know, whatever." And he says, "Do you want to come and have breakfast with Doug Hawkins?" God. So this morning, now for those who don't know, Doug Hawkins probably, apart from Ted Witten, the most
0: famous beloved. ever and most beloved ever Bulldogs player. And one he's of, a, and he's actually a son of the. Watch that left hook he's from Braybrook, exactly. Dougie. He should be captain of the Dougies. Yeah,
1: absolutely, just amazingly brilliant bloke. Yeah, and um, good footballer too oh, in his day. And and like one of twelve players in the history of the AFL to play over three hundred and fifty games. Yeah. So like, know yeah, a real legend. Of the game, yeah. and certainly a legend in my club. So I this morning went and had breakfast with
0: Brad Hardy and Doug Hawkins. That's amazing. It was amazing. What's Dougie look like now? He's he been pretty TV good, actually. He's looking fit. Ah uh, no, no, he's big. He's big, but he's funny and he's cheeky. Yeah, yeah. You know, like... and does he know who you are? He seemed to. Yeah. So that was kind of nice That's as well. Amazing. It's great that they hang out still. You know yeah. what I mean. It's kind of like finding out that you know like you know Ringo and and Paul McCartney still get together and fucking hang out. Like you you want to know that your heroes still like each other. Yeah.
1: It was unreal. It was so much fun. What did you did you talk
0: footy or did you try and Constantly and oh, I didn't even have to bring, bring it, it up. up. <laughs> oh, that's the
1: best. We literally got there and they were talking about, you know, the the particular woes of a certain club and like spouting off and then occasionally they they what was the club? Melbourne. Okay. And occasionally they'd um try to turn the conversation like over to me, like going you know, to like, how's your show going yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Fuck, and I'm that. Like, fuck that, fuck <laughs> that. Let's talk about footy more. Yeah. I am hanging out. It, it's literally like I'm in that. Do you remember that Boulevard of Broken Dreams yeah. poster? Like that's to me. That was what I
0: was like. It's I was in more pies.
1: Yeah, I felt like I was like in that Arnold Schwarzenegger, the last action hero. And I've gone into the movie and I'm hanging out with. That's amazing. Yeah, what, what do you think
0: the 15 year old would say if you if you told him that you're going to be sitting down having breakfast with Brad and, and Dougie?
1: Said. How did you invent a time machine? I don't know. I, I literally don't know. It was one of those moments where I took a, I
0: just took, had to take a moment to go. This is pretty cool. I, I had a moment, not quite that good, but um, my idol was Rob Harvey, who only you know retired about three years ago. But you know, one of twelve people to play over three hundred and fifty games in the AFL. <clears throat> three hundred and seventy-eight, I think, was his final number. <laughs> but he was a guy who... Uh, he, we're only talking about players who played 350 <laughs> games or plus in history of AFL. <laughs> but he was a guy who... Um, he, he was, I was particularly fond of Rob because when I was really into footy, when I was about 10 or 12, yep. down at Morabin um, they used to have uh, a, 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 like a like a social night after a game. So it was a tradition that, you know, you'd play a game, then all the players would go up to the disco upstairs and they'd have like raffles and stuff. <laughs> oh, no, there the, was no conditioning. good old days. <laughs> yeah, the good old days. There was no like strength and conditioning or recovery no. or anything. It was like, let's hit the, let's fucking hit the dance floor yeah. and sing some piss. <laughs> and so um, yeah. I was up there and they used to raffle off a, a jumper after the game. And yeah. this was like Rob's second year. And uh, I won his jumper and I got, to, I got up on stage and I met him and he gave me an autographed jumper. And I still had the jumper. And um, they did a testimonial for him about four years ago. And a jumper, we should point out for people who don't follow AFL,
1: is like the jersey or Guernsey that that they wear. Because in the rest of the world, when you say, I've got my footy jumper on, people assume you have like a jumper on. Like
0: the sort of jumper you yeah, yeah, yeah. wear at Thanksgiving or yeah, Christmas. Like a turtleneck. Yeah, a tur- <laughs> jumper. <laughs> it's like, they play in turtlenecks? But, I mean, that's what the old footy jumpers were like. Like, yeah. this one is a long-sleeve knit jumper. I mean, it, yeah. uh, I have worn it. I wear it during winter to keep myself warm. Mm. But um, he, uh, when he You set- still wear it? Yeah, I still got it. You got it when you were 12? Yeah, but it's a Rob Harvey's jumper. So oh, okay, no, it's so it's size. Yeah, okay, so That's Rob Harvey's size. It's his actual, not twelve-year-old size. No, 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 no. Okay, <laughs> sure. no, yeah, that, that makes, makes a lot of sense. So some twisted, <laughs> twisted sexual thing where I put on all, like my twelve-year-old clothes <laughs> and I sit in a park licking a lollipop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a little boy. <laughs> Excuse me, Mister. Uh, Jehovah's um, better. <laughs> <right. laughs> no, it's nothing weird like that. But um, makes so sense. I went to this testimonial dinner for him a few years ago yeah. when he broke the the, the club record. And uh, I haven't met him or spoken to him since, that, since I was 12 years old. So I was very excited to go up to him. And, you know, he was getting a lot of people coming up and getting photos and stuff. So I waited until it was sort of like a quiet moment. And I went up and said, hey, Rob, look, um, you probably won't remember this, but there was a game at Moorabbin in 1989 where we beat Hawthorne for the first time in like 10 years. And you were best on ground and they had a raffle after the game. And uh, I won your jumper. And he was like, oh, thank you. That's you know, I said, look, I don't remember, but, you know, thanks. You know, It's really nice for you to come up and say that. And then I said to him... And I've still got the jumper. <laughs> and I just saw this look on his, like this change happen where he'd gone from, well, isn't this guy yeah, like what a nice. A cute story. Yeah, what a nice, like, and uh, this guy's going to skin me. Yeah, I saw the jumper. <laughs> yeah. I love you. I wear it every day. Yeah. I've sewn it to my body. Do you want to see it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I've written you six page letters three times a week
0: for the last five years. Why don't you answer my letters, Rob? Um, we should wind this up. Okay, cool. It's 7.25, yeah? Oh, shit, yeah, I have to go. Yeah, yeah. Do okay. a show. Um, so uh, a couple of things that I
1: just want to quickly mention. Mm. I've been on a couple of my favourite podcasts uh, in the last month or so. Um, one's called I Love Green Guide Letters, uh, which people from Melbourne will understand what the Green Guide Letters is, but it's a, it's a funny podcast. And um, also The Little Dum Dum Club, uh, two
0: great independent Australian podcasts. So um, there's episodes of them that I am on if you want to kind of search them out. You're not sprinkling the, sprinkling the magic dust over those podcasts as well, are you? You keep it could be in the A game for us. and then,
1: Dude, hey, here's what I... My philosophy has always been that the rising tide lifts all boats. That if everyone else, like if the Australian podcasting industry is successful, and then we will all be successful. We are one, but we are many. But from all the lands on earth we come. We share a dream and we sing in one voice. I
0: am, you are, we are, Australian. I'm Charlie Quilson. I'm Will Anderson.